Overnights here on ABC Radio. And time to head to Boston and say, as we do on a regular basis, hello to Celeste Katz. How are you doing, Celeste? Hey, how are you? Very well, thank What's the mood like in Boston with the coronavirus crisis? Well, we are, uh, we are not yet in a shelter-in-place situation, but people are taking precautions. Uh, schools are closed here. Uh, bars and restaurants are on a, a carry-out uh, basis only. Uh, stores are largely closed except for food delivery, pharmacies, and so on. Uh, we have had a cluster of, of cases of exposures here um, interestingly enough, thanks to a uh, conference held by a biotech company in uh, in Boston City here, so that's sort of uh, an unpleasant irony. But uh, for the most part, people uh, seem to be uh, taking this in stride as much as possible, trying to stay in, uh, work from home, uh, not go out too much except for the essentials. So. Um, Waiting to waiting to see what happens, but uh, the virus certainly is here, and people are trying to be prepared for it. Yeah, we'll talk more about the number of suspected cases uh, in Greater Boston hospitals in a moment. But first, Congress is weighing uh, in with some cash for Americans. There's lifelines for business after President Trump signed a coronavirus sick leave bill. What are the latest measures? Yeah, there is uh, there is some discussion. It, it has not happened yet, but there is a discussion of uh, cash payments uh, directly to Americans to uh, to offset some of the economic impact of the of the virus. Here, obviously, there are people who are uh, not able to get to work, uh, not able to uh, work remotely. Uh, People are avoiding public transportation, so that can be an issue. Uh, for some people, it is possible to continue with with life sort of as, as usual, not exactly. But for other people, um, small businesses, for example, are saying that uh, people can choose not to come in, but not all of the small businesses are able to continue to pay people. Um, getting unemployment insurance, for example, can be a bit... Uh, a bit complicated, so there's some uh, some discussion of direct cash payments. Then there are discussions of streamlining some regulations. There have been um, talks about cuts to, say, the payroll tax and things like that here in the United States. But again, the focus with the um, with cutting checks, and we're not talking about uh, you know tons and tons of money. You're not going to retire on this, but you know a thousand or two thousand or so dollars just to keep people. Um, solvent so that they can uh, pay bills, but also that they can get the essentials to um, uh, to keep going and to make sure that they have food, medications, and so on for the family. And senators have overwhelmingly supported a House bill to cover the cost of all coronavirus testing. I imagine that would have been well received. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Congress has been uh, in session and they have made some moves to to cover testing to uh, you know to get rid of some of the uh, the regulations the red tape and so on that have um, uh, that would hold up the spread of uh, you know that would hold up the response to the virus um, there are some limitations in what we can do there are uh, things that are happening in the private sector as well the ramp up of the creation of testing kits, 
uh, coordination with the federal government about testing sites. I'm sure you've heard that we did uh, did have something of a, a delayed response, slow ramp up in terms of getting tests out there uh, to where people might be able to need them. But um, another big uh, responsibility of the federal government is to try to control panic. Not everybody in this country is going to get a test. People may want tests when they aren't necessarily indicated. And uh, even just stuff like getting basic supplies like uh, respirators, and, and so on, clearing hospital beds, that's something that's uh, being done on an ongoing basis. But yeah, sure, people here are concerned. Not the, the entire country isn't shut down, but we do have areas of the country that have um, uh, more uh, more draconian measures, I guess you could say. The city of San Francisco is, is instituting a shelter-in-place measure. That's millions and millions of people that are not supposed to leave their homes except for uh, you know, vital vital activities. So that is potentially something that we could see here in places like Boston, uh, places like New York, for example, are uh, have over a million public school kids. Those kids are now not in school. And the question becomes not only how do they learn, but how do they eat? Because a lot of kids in public schools in this country rely on um, rely on those classrooms for uh, breakfast and lunch, uh, free or subsidized programs. Uh, where do uh, elderly people go? Uh, where do people go when they have no family nearby? Transportation, that kind of thing. Um, it's uh, definitely a, a multifaceted problem. And yeah, frankly, it's scary. We have seen some panic buying here. Um, Amazon, which is obviously a, a huge part of the uh, a part of the supply chain in terms of getting goods to people and have really cut back on deliveries that are not essential household goods, medical goods, and so on. So it's really a, a different way of life. And um, the government uh, just announced that um, an anti-malarial drug, for example, that uh, was used with success there might be the next step in treating people for coronavirus. But vaccine trials, uh, that could take a year to, before anybody actually sees that on a widespread basis. And just to prove that the virus doesn't discriminate, Celeste, two members of Congress have tested positive. Yeah, we have uh, we have seen that the the president, as uh, I'm sure you have heard, uh, was tested for coronavirus. He did have some contact with people who uh, later tested positive at his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. He says that his test came back negative, but we too have had uh, two members of Congress. Uh, Mario Diaz-Balart and Ben McAdams, uh, they have both tested positive. Other people, uh, other lawmakers have gone into self-quarantine as a uh, protective measure if they came in contact with other people who uh, might have contracted the virus. So I think when you see people like that, A, contracting the virus, but also B, taking measures to stay away from other people to self-quarantine, in accordance with the with the directions from our CDC or our NIH, you know, maybe that sends a message to uh, the American public about how careful we have to be to try to control the spread now before we get overrun in places that you've seen China, obviously Italy, for example, um, South Korea having problems, and, and lots of other places too. So. Um, the more we talk about it, I think, probably the better off we are, even though it's scary.
And our Prime Minister is telling us uh, that this could go on for up to six months. Is the President or any other officials making projections like that? Uh, We have had discussions about uh, potentially in terms of uh, people being asymptomatic carriers, people getting sick and getting better, finding effective treatments. Some of the estimates have gone on as far as uh, July or August before things get back to normal. This is uh, that's very scary. It's very disruptive to people's lives. It is certainly wreaking havoc with the economy. You've seen the the roller coaster ride known as the uh, the stock market here has been an, an absolute mess and um, you know very reactive to the latest news about um, people getting sick, getting better. Uh, testing sites, availability of of ICU, hospital beds, isolation uh, facilities, and so on. So we are looking at this for the long haul. Now, does that mean that kids are not going back to school for the rest of the school year? In some cases, yeah, it does mean that. Uh, Universities, Boston here is a big university town. Schools have ordered students to leave and uh, not come back. Uh, Originally, it was, you know, maybe just until the spring break, but now they're saying school is out for the year and people are going through remote learning. And Celeste Katz is with us here on Overnights for this Friday morning. I'm Tony Arthur filling in for Rod Quinn and we're catching up on news from the States and Boston in particular. And a couple of days ago, the number of suspected COVID-19 patients reportedly surged at hospitals around Greater Boston, did it Celeste? Yeah, we uh, currently have uh, about uh, the latest numbers, and of course these are changing all the time, but we have over 250 cases of COVID-19 confirmed in Massachusetts. Uh, The majority of them are uh, concentrated in uh, Middlesex and Suffolk County. Suffolk County is where Boston is. Uh, Middlesex County is uh, to the northwest, but it is throughout the state. There have also been some reports of uh, hospital workers here in Boston uh, testing positive for the virus, obviously of of great concern, because where do you go to get help uh, if there are people who are infected there? But, you know, Boston is a city that is well known for for being a medical center, for being a a health center, Um, not not only in terms of of, uh, diagnostics and treatment, but of uh, development of testing, of of vaccines and and so on. So uh, sort of a good side and a bad side to being in Boston at, at this time. I think hospitals everywhere are going to be stretched before very long. So, yeah, challenges still lay ahead, many of them. But the mayor of Boston, Marty Walsh, has announced something called the Boston Resiliency Fund. What is it? Yeah, the Boston Resiliency Fund is uh, uh, its a way that people are able to help each other. Uh, specifically, this is for uh, you know people who have been particularly impacted by coronavirus. That's first responders. Uh, older people, uh, families with children, and it's basically to uh, to help people out with basic needs. Uh, for example, kids who are going to be learning at home, uh, if their families, they're obviously doing that by uh, you know online via computers. Now, some families can't afford the technology it's going to take to keep their kids up with their education. Learning doesn't stop just because the schools are closed. So there's a way to 
to donate that kind of technology or to uh, help fund that kind of technology. Um, and just also to help people out uh, in terms of uh, people who are healthcare workers, uh, people who are first responders, uh, getting people the food that they need, especially if they can't afford it or if they can't go out to get it. Uh, so people in Boston, I think, are uh, really stepping up. This has just uh, started on uh, Monday, and on the first day, they pulled in nearly $10 million in donations. And that will be administrated uh, through the city, and that's going to help provide services for people who really need it in these, uh, these very unusual times. So uh, unfortunate circumstance, but uh, sort of a, a happy a happy response, knowing that people are out there trying to help each other. Yeah, it is certainly encouraging if they gave nearly $10 million on the first day, and it certainly recognises the need of so many people who are disadvantaged and will have to be helped for quite some time. So let's hope the Boston Resiliency Fund is able to help a lot of those people. Now, if we can swing from Boston to New York, the New York City Police Department has said it has made two hate crime arrests in cases of victims who were targeted by assailants who made anti-Asian statements and the arrests come as Asian Americans across the country are experiencing heightened discrimination, bullying and harassment as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. What do you know about these two hate crimes in New York, Celeste? Yeah, that that was uh, certainly a very unfortunate thing, not something that that uh, I like to see, that I like to hear about. Nobody likes to hear about it. But uh, basically in this case from the uh, reports that I have read, uh, somebody was, uh, a guy um, of uh, Asian background was walking his kid to a bus stop, 10-year-old kid, and a guy came up to him and started screaming at him and cursing him, asking him, where is your mask? Why aren't you not wearing your mask? Uh, you know, sort of implying that, that this guy who's just randomly taking his kid to the bus stop is diseased or is a carrier. Um, and, you know, this is uh, one of two hate crimes. Um, the guy who was uh, the victim of this particular crime uh, in particular has been in the United States for 35 years. And, is you know, this is sort of not relevant. People are targeting other people, other Americans, because of how they look. And, you know, on a personal note, I mean, everybody finds this upsetting. I really, really believe that. I mean, any normal person would not consider that to be uh, an, an okay behavior. But on a personal note, you know what? My mother came to the United States from China as a child. She was absolutely an American, a very patriotic American, uh, I might add. But uh, do I really have to, I, I had to make a phone call to my mother out of concern. Again, not trying to you know, stoke panic or anything or to overreact. But I said, Ma, you know what? People are behaving this way because, uh, you know, they're afraid. It probably doesn't help. I can't blame anybody personally, but it probably doesn't help that the president has repeatedly referred to this uh, illness as the Chinese virus. I know that, you know, the first um, uh, the first outbreak of it did occur in, in Wuhan, China. Nobody's denying that. But... I feel great about the fact that I had to call my parents and say, Ma, look, you know what, if you're going to the store or if you're going to be out somewhere in public, like, I would feel better if you and Pop were together. I really would. You know, it's it's an unfortunate uh, moment in our history and an unfortunate reaction that we have to not only deal 
with this virus, which is spreading among our population and killing people who are particularly susceptible, but that it's it's ginning up these kinds of violent reactions and discriminatory, violent behaviors in people. So I guess, um, you know, hopefully that sort of thing will tamp down. I'm glad that the police are adjusting it, but it's, it's really another thing to worry about at a time when we don't need another thing to worry about. Yeah, unfortunately, though, we know from experience, don't we, at times like this, with issues like this, we will see the best and worst of humanity. One hopes that the best will completely overwhelm the worst of humanity, but for those who do encounter that worst bit, like this man, especially if he had his 10-year-old son with him, it would be distressing in the first place, but to have the 10-year-old son uh, have this man screaming at them, where the blank is your mask is is not very pleasant. I almost admit I saw President Trump step up to the podium at the White House press press room, and um, it was the first time I'd heard him refer to it as the Chinese virus. Has he just started doing that? Uh, he, he started doing it in recent days. I'm sorry, I don't know the exact day, but he has increasingly been using it uh, not only in public addresses, but on Twitter. And Twitter, as you know, is his, uh, his uh, beloved, most beloved social media platform. He has uh, been referring to it repeatedly uh, as the Chinese virus. I mean, right now he has uh, over 74 million followers on Twitter. He can't have rallies right now because we have prohibitions against gathering uh, people in uh, confined spaces. So he is working on you know, sort of sending messages about uh, coronavirus. But, uh, you know, just, um, you know, most recently he says, uh, I signed the defense, I only signed the Defense Production Act to combat the Chinese virus should we need to invoke it in a worst-case scenario in the future? Uh, he has been uh, referring to the Chinese virus in part um, to sort of lay the blame for the spread of the virus or the origin of the virus at the feet of the Chinese government. Now, nobody is saying that the Chinese government has not made grievous mistakes here or that they suppressed information about the virus. Nobody's, nobody's arguing that. But uh, in terms of sending messages as the leader of the United States, um, you know, assigning blame and saying the United States, for example, is doing a great job compared to the Chinese who are spreading this Chinese virus. Uh, you know, some people are going to hear that a certain way. And when you have people uh, you know, in the other case, the other um, hate crime case that was cited in New York, um, if you have somebody spitting in uh, the face of somebody who is uh, of you know, Asian extraction and saying, go back to your country, right? that's that's not the, the kind of attitude people need to be, uh, need to be exhibiting right now in these, in these times. Mm. Interesting to see how that one will develop, whether he continues to use the point of reference after incidents like those we've just talked about in New York. Uh, Celeste, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. So as we're saying here, keep calm and stay kind. <laughs> Thank you very much and you stay well. Okay, Celeste Katz, our correspondent in Boston, joining us in the early hours of this Friday morning here on Overnights on ABC Radio.